sure that I understood. Is it possible, I think it is, that even if you're not totally developmentally developed, then you can use insight meditation to get, not, not necessarily to feel happy all the time, but at least to know things about, you know, if you're asking yourself, what am I thinking? You'll find out quick enough. Knowing what you're thinking is a really important thing, yeah? But it is not the same thing as, as knowing who you are. And so we have a longing to use meditation, or at least I know I did, to be able to attend to some of the things that it's not designed to help support us do. It's designed to help us observe rather than interact with some of the stuff that is going on with ourselves. So it's not to dismiss or to devalue the incredible importance of what this insight meditation brings us. It's just to contextualize it and say that there are certain things that it's not good at. And it's not helpful if we try and use insight meditation to for those specific things that it's not good at. And so any doctor who's a good doctor will know the way to use a medicine, its limitations, and its contraindications. And if we are using insight meditation as a practice, then it's helpful for us to know what it's useful for, what it's not useful for, and when it's actually contraindicated. How do we know that? I mean, how do we know those things? Say we're meditating and we're having you know, lots of recurring problems, uh, interpersonal or something like that, and, uh, and we're meditating and trying our best and it's not working for us, then I guess that would be reasonable to assume, well, you know, this, this is not solving my problems. It's not helping me to be a more fulfilled or happy person, whatever. Then at, at that point, is there a mechanism that you can suggest for that that we just say, well, I need a therapist? Or, or do you, what do you suggest in this You know, it's a brilliant question, and part of the reason why it's so brilliant is because insight meditation does not have no capacity for us to be able to evaluate the level of development that we're at in terms of this stuff. It absolutely cannot do that for us, okay? And so part of what I'm interested in is bringing contemporary models and maps that are able to map this stuff to begin to see if there's a way to bring a, I'm not sure what the right word is, an integrated approach to our development so that we use the meditation for the stuff that it's really good for, but we don't use it for the stuff that it's not, it doesn't deal with and we bring in other maps and tools to help support us locate where we're at and develop what needs to be developed. And there are maps, and I don't know how to make use of them without people who understand the maps. There may be a way, but I don't know how at the moment, but it's something that I'm very interested in. For myself, I was interested in being free from suffering, and I tried really, really, really hard to be free from suffering using insight meditation. And when I realized that there were certain things that were not resolving, then I began to ask a different question. The question was, how can I use insight meditation to resolve this to what else is needed right now? Yeah. Because I was convinced 
If meditation brings the end of suffering, then it'll bring the end of suffering across the board, unilaterally, in all departments. And that is not correct. Yeah. Yes. Can you ever say, can you ever know who you are if you're always in constant change? How do you ever know this? Okay, the constant change refers to the transpersonal qualities of self. Knowing who you are refers to the tasks of being able to have some confidence or comfort with how you are expressing yourself or experiencing yourself in the world in relationship. Okay? Your point, your question is brilliant. Yeah, it's a brilliant question. But it's important that we know that though we change to be able to know how we are experiencing ourselves at any particular time. But what I think you're asking, I think the question underneath your question is that, you know, with these developmental tasks, with the sense that things are constantly changing, you cannot locate a permanent fixed person in this developmental knowledge. You can't go the other way either. You can't, it's, it's like, you can't use um, a cast for meditation, okay? They're separate tasks, the meditation task and the developmental task. But even if you are developmentally intact and have done all of those steps, you can't find a permanent, unchanging person to whom all these things belong. You never will be able to. We don't know who we are except that we're moving. That's right. I think about a practical situation I've just been really chewing on for 24 hours. It's really a really good topic. I really, I know the tendency for me to spiritual bypass because really in a way that's the easier, softer way. Uh, for me, which is my experience. And last night, I live in a neighborhood that's really quiet. I mean, it's just been quiet a long time. And a 26-year-old girl has moved in, and they drink. And she came home last night, and it was tough. You know, the kids are out in the back, and they're screaming, and it's uh, it's just, you know. And I'm up at 2.30 in the morning, and I'm just full of adrenaline, because that scares me. When I hear really drunk people in the backyard, I don't feel safe anymore. But I don't know that. I don't know that I'm angry because I'm not safe. I'm just angry because I can't identify them not clear because I have so much adrenaline in that moment. So anyway, so I talked to them. They went back in the house. Everything is okay. But today, I've just decided I was okay with the morning. But all day long, I kind of grasped and clinged to my resentment all day long. And so then I decided that, you know, that, thank goodness with meditation, you know, to watch my thoughts and to see what I was doing with it all day. And then I think because of meditation, also I had this moment of clarity. I, I have been introduced to nonviolent communication. And it's really a great thing. I just had kind of that intuitive knowing, you know, kind of that, um, just, I don't know, it's an intuitive knowing that that's how I want to handle the situation. But for me, I think sometimes... I want to take that I am a person who meditates and who is um, seeking, you know, um, 
loving kindness, patience, all that, right, blah, blah, blah. I want to take that and not address my neighbor. And then what happens for me is I just get resentful. I just repress it. I just bury it. And that has never worked for me. I'm really seeing that um, taking and being skillful in dealing with conflict is what's really going to end my suffering. We've talked about two types of suffering for me, and I heard this, and there's suffering that creates more suffering, and there's suffering that ends suffering. The suffering for me is I'm afraid to go to them. They're not safe, they're not that stable, but I can't really bypass this one. It's my neighborhood, and I'm really willing, frankly, to risk it and to be non-confrontational and to practice as much right speech as I can. And that, to me, is kind of like the transpersonal development versus kind of the the meditative, the because the, I can't use I can use meditation and insight on how I want to handle it, but I, I I won't meditate in the process. I will certainly have more wisdom because of it. Right. Right. So let me just come to my own experience. So we're living in the monastery. We had this kind of um, it was a humorous, not so humorous modus of amparanda for many years, you know, basically shut up and go sort it out on your cushion, mm-hmm. you know. So there was no recognition that human interactions needed to be sorted out interactively. There was a sense that you could sort everything out by just withdrawing from contact and resolving it on an internal level. And we realized that this is absolutely not the case, that interactive difficulties often need interactions in order to resolve them. Okay, But what you're pointing out is the subtlety, is, is that when you're attached to your own resentment, then there's work for you to do. But the difficult thing is, is not to use the idea of loving kindness and meditation in order to just suppress the whole thing and say that, well, I'm being a good meditator and I'm not going to... I am dealing with my resentment by not addressing the problem, which is exactly what bypassing is about. Okay, so what happened in our community is is that we needed to learn how to communicate and how to deal with conflict and how to express our anger in a way where we're not trashing each other, nor were we suppressing it. And so we needed to learn an enormous amount of skills that we didn't have to enter into this territory, which was a relational territory on how to deal with emotions and conflict. We didn't, we didn't know how to do it, so we had to learn, okay? But there was something that emerged that was a lot safer than the kind of reactive, suppressive mechanisms that were happening beforehand. So, Joey, you were saying earlier that the bypassing was a soft option until you realize how corroded your guts are and how dysfunctional your community is and how totally unsafe you feel because you never know where you stand. So it's a safe option until one actually has a measuring stick of the consequences. And then one begins to start looking differently. Well, and it's also whether they are going to appreciate my attempt at a conversation or not, I think it's also a benefit to them, and not because I'm going to teach them how they need to be a good neighbor, but because I don't want my own passive-aggressive stuff coming out of them. I want to say hi to them when I see them getting in and out of their car. I want to continue to be friendly. And I will be passive-aggressive and kind of sneaky if I don't deal with this, right? 
And then, you know, I don't want them to have to put up with that kind of energy either. Right. So it kind of works both ways. Because I have to remember, I need to be of service. It's not just about my suffering. Right. It might also be about theirs. Right. And that's really what I, I want to just kind of attend to it kind of like on the, like a community level as opposed to kind of like a, like a real super personal level. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Good example. Of course it is. Yes. And sometimes when you feel nervous like that, what you need is to pack out your own support team in terms of have other people around who can also hold the space or people that you can debrief with. Because, you know, you're cutting across mechanisms that are going to tap into something that goes deep, you know, and for good reasons it goes deep. And so, you know, it is nervous because you have cause to be nervous. But you have also years of practice now in many different ways, mm-hmm. and the conviction to know that now is the time to find a different way to deal with this, that the old ways no longer serve. It's exactly right. And so this is a situation where our practice takes us and directs us into areas which are challenging, that we know this is our next level of where we need to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, please. Hi, my name is Tom. Hi, Tom. Uh, Insight meditation uh, for me uh, helps me quiet my mind yes. and uh, puts a smile on my face and shows me what I'm thinking about. And this made me realize that my thoughts are just thoughts. And I've learned several other things. But what else is it good for? You kind of mentioned that as a question before. The purpose of insight meditation, certainly all those things are things that come. There's a, 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 a kind of freedom that is possible when we relate to the what is happening in a different way. So knowing your thoughts are thoughts is, is the beginning of, of, of an understanding that those thoughts do not belong to you. They're just thoughts, okay? which opens up a potential for freedom in the thoughts that come. So if they're your thoughts, then you're going to be invested in having nice thoughts and crabby about having not nice thoughts. And so there's going to be a tension that emerges with the thoughts. When you know thoughts are thoughts, that's the beginning of, of an insight. That the, whatever you're thinking, it can be there. And you can learn to relate to it in a skillful way, but it isn't who you are. So insight meditation in its fruition is a radical freedom that is unperturbable, and it's not conditioned. It's, it's more than being calm and feeling happy. It's a, it's a radical aliveness and acceptance in the world with ourselves and with each other and the world and so one of the values of hanging out with people who are committed to practice is is that sometimes you get a a window or a sense of that from others I remember when I met Deepama Mm -hmm. I was totally blown away so Deepama is a grandma who was a very profound realized being who lived in India, and her life story was filled with suffering, and it 
she really understood who she was and what the mind was about. And her, what was left was this luminous, radiant presence that was profoundly loving and incredibly still. And even though I had met other beings who were also awakened, there was something about her presence that touched me so deeply. And I think it had to do with just how deeply loving she was and how that landed with me. And so it is, it's, it's when you feel that in another person, when you get a sense of what, that, what this path is actually leading towards, it's like, wow, wow. It's just extraordinary. Should I close on that note? Yeah.